it's really funny you guys i remember listening to your podcast and you saying like a sober robert there's no way they do that <laughs> <laughs> i'm sending it to conrad and being like okay well these guys are they gonna be disappointed uh, yeah i was like how wrong we were <laughs> exactly what we've done Hello and welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. And welcome to, to Berlin, to Oxford. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a, a full excursion episode. Today, you and I are talking about episode 5 of Industry. Written by co-creators Mickey Down and Conrad K. And directed by Caleb Fermi. We have Mickey Down and Conrad K on this episode, so... You can just skip to that if you want. The timestamp is in the description. Um, but before all that, joining me to talk about episode five and our um, preview our interview is my long lost brother who's been hiding in the kitchen in Berlin. It's Ayo and um, Ayo, how are you doing today? I'm fine, bro. The kitchen is sweaty. They're working me. But you know. It's just like the bear, so I love it. <laughs> okay, okay, that's not. I, I don't know if that's a good recommendation. Um, <laughs> Ayo, we got to speak with Mickey Down and Conrad K on this episode. That was insane. It literally I, just happened. I'm what, sweating. What, what, what was happening? I, I was like, <laughs> yeah, guys. Um, yeah, it's a great, great conversation. They were very, very generous with their time. Very forthcoming in, in the discussion. Lots of just interesting bits. It thing that happened in episode five that i didn't even know had happened until we were speaking with them and they were like oh yeah this is what this meant and this was so uh that's very exciting we got to do some football trauma talk towards the end so <laughs> so yeah but this if you've listened to episode obviously hopefully you've watched episode five of industry this is a very tough episode in our opinion it's a great episode i think we loved it i think it's one of the best of the show so far and i love the episode but the way you love things are depressing um hey what do you think of this episode yeah, so this episode was a lot, bro. I'm not even going to lie. I did not have fun watching it. <laughs> I did not have a good time watching it. <laughs> it was it was really tough. Uh, but I think it was good. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, like bitter medicine. Yeah, yeah. That's how it felt. Yeah, it's... I was like, oh, this is probably the first time I felt bad watching Industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was I also like, these are just incredible scenes and incredible acting and an incredible show. And this is so good. But it's painful to watch, which is like, I think if you guys listen to the interview, Conrad and Mickey were like, they knew this was a swing. And I think, I think we agree that it's a swing that, that paid off. It was definitely a, a thing that worked out, but you can't deny the fact that it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. If you're someone who's listened to this podcast run on industry, you know that I've been dreading Robert's um, eventual relapse. So for a part that happened in this episode as well, it's also... I've also been hoping and spitting the Robert and Venetia connection. Yeah. So it's a bit of a bit, a bit of like push and pull. I don't know what to Yeah, take. it was good and bad. It's and you like, were right about that pairing. It was quite cute. I didn't it was, see it, it when was you were so saying good. it. Yeah, it was okay. I'm when you've been yeah. saying it from the first few episodes, I was just like, what is this guy on about? <laughs> well, yeah. you know what? I as you know, I'm trying to write my own stuff. So maybe that maybe maybe I'm on to I'm on the right path. Yeah. Um but yeah. We're talking about off let's air. talk let's talk about let's talk about the the beginning of this episode because okay. I think I need to talk about that. First of all, <laughs> yeah. I love the title card in this episode. Yeah. I love that it comes immediately as the, the musical cue. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The music, the title card, 
the actions that are going on the screen all great up until the point dvd starts talking <laughs> why is he talking it was not nice well as like you mean to, during sex he needs to yeah he needs to stop he but he, to stop maybe he's someone talk. that don't don't kink shame maybe he's someone that I'm likes that talking shaming him because i did not like it at all <laughs> well that's what DVD. he does <laughs> dvd stop it stop it um well stop kink shaming stop kink shaming just quickly before we go into the interview did you have any overhead lines that you liked from this episode? I think there was only one at the end where Rishi says that she calls me her chutney prince and... Bro, Rishi was on one this episode. He was really good. Rishi was... He, he <laughs> calls... Yeah, and then he's talking about how she found his... No, was it, he, was it her that calls him or her dad? No, it was her. It was yeah, her. and how she found her his um, Viagra. Yeah. <laughs> I think another thing that... Obviously, a lot of them we didn't catch because of subtitles, but something that he calls DVD digital versus our disc... <laughs> and he says like are you are, are you throwing money at this this christmas and then dvd's like what do you mean it's like are you gonna pay for sex, sex um yeah. yeah i think there's a lot in this episode a lot of back to what, what earlier themes from previous episodes but just like seeing all the characters finding out more about their lives and who they are and us seeing who these characters are um harper's brother has a lot of choice words to to her calls her a narcissist calls her selfish and things that like you can really see how they hit her um Yasmin is on her privileged bullshit this episode. Like when she says, feels good to be back on the continent. Oh, you know, I'm just like, yeah, who are babe. you talking to? That's my babe. Harper has <laughs> never left. Harper has been to like London and Wales. Like she is never, like what are you talking about? Um, But yeah, Jackie's incredible this episode. She's so In good. That, that meeting with Anna, she's just so good. Um, is anyone, no one is bad at their jobs. I think that's what this episode was just showing, man. Like, because Jackie, you just think, oh, She's on the floor and she's probably good at something technical, but she's an extremely good salesperson. Salesperson, yeah, you don't, yeah, that's true. You never, which I guess, yeah, because maybe you feel like, because what does Rishi calls out something earlier in the episode, the barbarian or something along those yeah. lines? It's like, how many they allow her to still talk to clients? But like, I guess she just knows how to how to tune it. Like she says something that maybe to a different client might be like, oh, why are you saying that? But then obviously Anna loves it, Anna chortles. So yeah, um, I don't want to spend too much time delaying you guys from what you came here for which is this incredible interview with mickey and conrad who were just great throughout um hey, is there anything you want to say about the interview before we we go to it uh no let's just go through it okay so guys um listen next for our interview with industry co-creators producers writers mickey down and conrad k and join us again next week when we're talking about industry and we'll talk about house of the dragon and of course we'll be joined by oscar winner daniel kaluuya Ayo and I are incredibly humbled, pleased, surprised, still bewildered to be joined by industry writers, co-creators, evil geniuses, uh, Mickey Down and Conrad K. Guys, thank you so much for doing this. Welcome to the unofficial, official Robert Sparing fan club. This is <laughs> this is where we all meet every week, so welcome. <laughs> Pleasure, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome to be joining you guys. We absolutely love uh, listening to you guys talk about the show. So oh, very happy to be here. Thank, thank you so much. Um, so first of all, holy shit, this was a very depressing episode, and <laughs> uh, so thank you, thank you for that. That was it was very terrible to, to watch, but I think before, I want to push that maybe to the to the end. So before we get into episode five, which we're talking about this week, we want to just have some general questions, which you and I have kind of discussed both on air and off air um i think first of all just like we're more than halfway through the season so 
congratulations I know that first of all because I think it's not just our echo chamber I think everyone is loving the season fans critics so I guess first of all just congratulations well done on an incredible season so far um is that something you guys look at fan perception critical perception are you just focused on telling the story you want to tell um Thank you, by the way. I'm really glad you're enjoying it. I'm glad that uh, you were depressed after watching episode five. That was the intention. <laughs> okay, that's um, good. The uh, fan, uh, fan feedback. I mean, we, we do check it out. We do read it. Um, we love, I, I, you know, I, I love people that are compelled by the show. I love people engaging with it in any way they want, even mm-hmm. if they're saying how much they hate it. I think that's that's a successful show. Um, I Yeah, we do. We, I, obviously, it's lovely to hear people say they like the show. It's lovely to hear good critical appraise um but we don't try and let it affect us too much like there are there are things that we you know we things that we brought to the forum between seasons one and two which we you know i think they tallied with things that people like like more eric and harper mm-hmm. that relationship more eric in general um delving deeper into the characters all that stuff is stuff that people said that they were craving after season one that's just stuff that you end up doing naturally when you go from a season one to season two um so yeah i mean i i i i'm sort of morbidly curious by the by the reddit subreddit um which i check out uh sometimes and i, I love seeing people slagging <laughs> off the show and also in equal measure saying much they like it so yeah i mean it's it's hard to ignore that sort of stuff but um, i don't think i, I we don't let it affect mm. us too much the show's also i mean you guys probably know this because you you're fans but the show is i mean me and mickey pride ourselves on how dense it is and how detailed it is and so one thing that is thrilling is from that Reddit or from Twitter or is when people pick up on things that, you know, me and Mickey put in either as a kind of a little tiny character moment or like, you know, a good example from episode three is, you know, the cover of Greg's yeah. book, like people saying, like, Oh, what, what, you know, what's his novel about? Like, what's the title mean? And all this sort of stuff, like all of that, you know, we, lo- we, we, we pride ourselves in making sure that every thing that ends up on screen every frame has has something to say about either the characters or the story so watching people engage with it on that level is is for me one of the most satisfying parts of watching it come out into the world that's my favorite bit actually like when people that when people sort of not overanalyze because that's the wrong word analyze or delve into the minutiae of it i think that's the best kind of Mm -hmm. fan reaction because it's stuff that me and conrad sometimes me and conrad just put in there to make each other laugh yeah, the, the background ADR, for example, like people picking up on what Rishi said, and then you know loads of comments about it. And like I saw in the subreddit, people talking, you know, that scene of Charles in the, from episode three where he stands up and he's got that you know mm-hmm. bulge in his pants. And I feel like they, yeah, there's, there's like dozens of people debating that. Which I, kind of, I think we had a whole wormhole about that on the podcast. We had to edit that down. It's like, what is happening? <laughs> We had we had at least. Seven it's interesting minutes. that you bring up Greg's uh, book, and obviously not an exit gets published this season. So I don't know. Is that a bit of wish fulfillment from you guys about a certain spec script that was never fully made? Is that? <laughs> um, that's uh, that. I mean, we wanted to give Greg a, a mm-hmm. fitting tribute in this season, and you know, it's maybe it is a bit of a wish fulfillment. You know, it, it is possible to leave this business and be successful True. in something else. Yeah. I kind of, it's kind yeah, of you can attest to that. <laughs> I wanted to talk about some of the additions you made this season, especially behind the camera. First of all, shout out to Caleb Femi who directed episode five. He's Nigerian. We're Nigerian. We have to shout him out. Um, but. I'm very interested in three other additions you guys made, especially as this season took on a larger female perspective. 
So, um, can you please talk about the additions of um, Jamie O'Brien, Piketa Stemusa, and Isabella Eklov, and how they were the right people to tell to help you tell these stories? Um, well, I mean, Jamie, I speak about them all individually mm -hmm. quickly. I mean, Jamie joined the project between seasons one and two. She's a very experienced writer with a hell of a lot. You know, she's run her own show. She's also been in numerous writers' rooms. She was very good at giving me and Mickey a you know, a, a kind of more strict American model in terms of a writer's mm -hmm. room to follow. And she was a very good interrogate, you know, she allowed our imaginations to run wild because the show is a lot of kind of me and Mickey's, I would say just a kind of fit of creative energy, but she gave us far more of a rigid structure in terms of how to tell the story, a, a more disciplined story engine, better week to week mm -hmm. hooks between the episodes, all of the things which, you know, on some level might, might be quite, you know, expected, but actually me and Mickey are kind of not disregarded, but I thought maybe, I think maybe because we were young writers, we were kind of like, oh, we can do this kind of thing where we can be a bit iconoclastic and do something a bit punk rock and the rules don't really apply to us. And she just came in and said, guys, you have, you have a potentially very good show here, but you need to start following some of the harder and faster rules of television storytelling. And I think, I mean, she, you know, forget that part of the process. She was just a brilliant, person to have around the show because her energy was so positive she was you know an amazing leader incredibly good with the actors and just like a very good i think a very good foil for me and mickey mm -hmm. in many ways and then you know brigitte and isabella you know both very different directors in some level but both very underneath the scripts both very engaged with me and mickey um and you know both i think you know the the, the female perspective on the show is very important because you know me and mickey obviously on the co-leads in some ways you know we have four lead characters but the, the two female co-leads are, are very strong and they have a very strong flavor and i think people think they're very distinctively written women on television and it's important that the input into those characters comes from the the two women mm -hmm. playing them and the sort of the, the kind of female hand creative hand behind it as much as it does mean mine and mickey because then you get a sort of something that feels like it approximates truth if, if everybody's feeding in and it's very collaborative, I think. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think you can tell that there's a lot more confidence this season in, in just in the storytelling. I think you and I spoke about it, I think what happened in episode two, episode three, just like there's a stronger plot going on this season. And obviously we loved season one because of the, um, hey, let's come in and check in what these characters are doing this week and what's happening this week. Is it the Christmas party? Is, it, is Greg going <laughs> to run into, into the, to the glass door? But this season you feel like, and I guess maybe these things are traditional story shockers for a reason. Like you feel like it's still the industry of season one, which is your brainchild, but now it's kind of working at a different, a different level. So yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're fans, definitely. No, that's great to hear. The, it, it was hard because I think... Mickey and I had so many ideas in season one and we it's almost like you need we needed we needed to formalize it to make the show we didn't realize how dense we could make the show and how enjoyable and how much we could fit into mm -hmm. an hour if we were following a, a bit more of a kind of specific uh, traditional storytelling if the skeleton of the show was stronger we could do all the things that we love to do which is the dialogue and the character and the weird perverse stuff and the sex and the drugs and all that stuff we also just, just more stuff mm -hmm. happens Mm -hmm. yeah like we're just like we fit more into an hour the episodes are longer as well you know the, some of the episodes in season ones are, are 45 minutes and you know we have yeah. up to like 57 minutes in this season it just feels like you know we had a lot more to say this time and like we were given the benefit of 
to do it by HBO. So we thought, okay, we've got to say, we've got to throw everything at the wall. Like we have to just, we have to make this one count. And um, I'm glad that uh, respond is, people are responding to it because me and Conrad had this joke, which is like, we love this season. We've worked so hard on it. We've thrown everything at the wall. It'd be really funny if we just brought it out and everyone was no. like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's worse oh, than season yeah, no. one. That was the biggest, that was the, that was the, uh, the, the, uh, the fear. <laughs> The other thing to the other thing I mean the other thing to think about is the fact that the, the the themes of the show really revealed themselves to us having made the first season so like we we made it we wrote the characters then it's almost like it comes into the world you see what people pick up on and obviously there are conscious and unconscious parts of writing but then we were like we had all of the kind of the ingredients going into the season two writers room and saying like actually the show is about these i mean i, mm -hmm. I won't list them because i think it makes it too reductive but like they're about five things and we're going to write about these five things through the prism of these characters and i think you know it's nice and, and very satisfying because when people engage with it and talk about it like you guys do or write about it, they are picking up on a lot of the stuff that me and Mickey were talking about with the writers at the earliest stage in the writer's room thematically. And like, I think that's what gives the show, I think it has an extra layer to it now because we were able to do that between seasons one and two. It's funny as well that um, one of our producers, um, the, 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 the CEO of the studio that makes the show, Jane Tranter, she said when we were writing season one, um, don't be afraid to actually say in dialogue, and on page what the show is about. And we buried it. We buried it massively. Mm -hmm. We made lots of things subjective because we thought it was clear what the show was trying to say in the first season. And we didn't help the audience into our thought process enough. And what you get is, you know, sort of vagaries and slight sort of, you know, a paganess about what we were actually trying to say. Um, so this time we were like, you know, I think the themes are just way much more surface uh, level this season i think it's much more obvious what the show is trying to say and i think it's actually the show has improved massively vastly as a result yeah, of that that's good. yeah um yeah definitely agree i think it's in much starker mm. relief now in the show i think the the themes and you know the overall like engine of the of the story i think is is so clear in this season yeah. um but just to touch on something you said uh you know, it's a show about an industry that you both, <laughs> sorry, pun, bad pun, but it's a show about an industry that you both worked in. Do you ever find yourselves um, in danger of maybe writing too much of yourselves or your experiences into the character or the story? No, not at all. There's no danger of that. I mean, especially in season one. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff in season one is either stuff that happened to me or Conrad or was anecdotal to our experience or, you know, adjacent to our experience. Uh or, or, you know, it was based on stuff that we had heard. Um, season two is more about, I mean, season two, frankly, is less about, you know, young people going into the workplace. And it's more about mm -hmm. the, the, the themes that we've been touching on in this conversation. Um, I feel like, obviously, the, the, the theme of ambition and success at any cost is still prevalent. And that's something that me and Conrad, you know, chat, I guess, talk about and experience every day. <laughs> But um, I feel like it is kind of, it does speak to that. But actually, I mean, this season, I feel like because the story engine is so much more, I don't mm -hmm. know, traditional um, and there's so much more actually, there's so much more active decision-making from the characters. There's so much more like big stuff happening, mm -hmm. shall we say, that it, it yeah. is, it's, it's very different to my experience. I'll speak for myself of, of finance where, you know, I spent my entire time at the bank kind of doing exactly what Hari and Gus were doing in the first episode sitting behind the computer screen doing excel spreadsheets and powerpoint presentations 
I never, I was never on <laughs> chasing a client or going on a pheasant shoot in Wales. <laughs> I definitely, my, that was not in my telos for my job. Um, yeah, I feel like the, exp- that I, I think like the vibe of the thing that I think, I don't know, is sort of most relatable for me in the show is that, you know unbridled ambition thing that like making work your life thing that the ones to succeed the slight sense of competition of people around you um you know the the, the vibe of, of of living in london at that age that stuff that i experienced yeah. and i think i'll speak for conrad experienced in a similar way in our in our, in our mid-20s at least the the other i mean there's quite a basic like obviously in season one we had the kind of the the, the story engine of a riff and like the kind of will they won't they make it yeah, I mean, the thing, the show is not, I mean, we talked about it a bit in the room, but it has a Game of thrones equality to it, the second season, because it's essentially about power, succession. And, you know, the, the, the way we always talked about, like, the end of episode three, we always use the term Harper kills Eric. It's not like Harper does a trade that uses, it was like Harper kills him, she mm-hmm. takes his crown. And, like, I think those... Mm-hmm. Those beats, they're buried in jargon and, and, and the fun, but the actual, the core adrenalized piece of the story could be, it, it has a genre-ish quality to it, which I think actually just really helps the show because that's the watchability factor. So like, you know, obviously the performances are good and all the, the window dressing and everything is very, is very, feels, you know, it feels true to the world, which is cool. But the actual story mechanics of it are on some level, uh, the genre basic and I mean that as a compliment to it it didn't have that in season one and I think it really helps the show in season two to marry those things you know it's very it's very funny that you said Harper kills Eric in episode three because something that we loved was DVD saying execute <laughs> yeah uh, in that scene. yeah but that's very <laughs> deliberate right I mean that's very deliberate yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean the, the 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 yeah I mean the, 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 them both using that word is supposed to be like the two pretenders killing the king yeah. right and obviously that shot of, of Eric alone yeah uh, yeah exactly like bereft and and dead dead eyed mm-hmm. staring into nothingness I feel like the the um that's the thing that I, I always find funny in that scene is that Rishi put, you know, he does put up a slight bit of a resistance, but he, he, the resistance lasts about ten <laughs> seconds, and then he's like, "Actually, you know what? You're right." And it, it's speak, and it, it's it's something. It is. It's. I don't know if I've seen anyone talk about this, but it's a sort of theme in the way that Rishi operates. Like in yeah. season one, he's like, he's like, you know, Eric gets gets um quietly let go through that NDA machination, and he's like, and Rishi's like immediately. Like oh it's, uh, he's he's talking about Eric but he's not there's no like love loss there's no like yearning for Eric there's no like let's bring Eric back there's no loyalty really and then in season two he says okay well has Eric signed on this uh, no but we're gonna kill him anyway and then <laughs> and then yeah I, I don't know if you've no you haven't got to episode six but there's a sort of another reference to like the fact that like Eric's Eric's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work you know you have seen that there's another reference to the fact that Eric's gone and. And that Richie doesn't really give a fuck about it. And I feel like this speaks, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, in our construction of it, I always thought Eric and Rishi are quite good friends, but this mm-hmm. speaks to the world that, like, long as yeah, friendship is not as important as the fact that, like, you know, Harper's brought in another piece of business, which is going to usurp Felim as what seems to be the only um, yeah. client on the desk. Um, before we talk about episode five specifically, I just have a general question about your approach to this season. Uh, because when Ayo and I spoke about the premiere, there were two things that kind of jumped out to us and I would like to just pick your brains or you're thinking about doing it. I think the first one was the amount of time you chose to jump the story and 
Because I think we were like, oh, these characters have changed, but all these changes make sense to the characters we left in 108. We kind of see how it happened, but these changes are still clear. And then the second thing will be just your inclusion of COVID in the story. Was that as difficult as I expect, or was that always going to happen? Um, good question. I mean, uh, the first one is, I mean, those, they're, they're two mm-hmm. things are links, right? Because we thought, okay, a big time jump would feel, I mean, I just love those as a, as mm-hmm. a storytelling tool um, in TV and anything really, literature, everything. Um, I thought it would be, it'd be a good way to just push the characters on. Practically, the characters, like they look older. We had two years in between the two show seasons. We had COVID in between, so everything was slowed down from a production standpoint. Um, mm. and, and then the idea of about including COVID was obviously it was a natural break. It allowed us to make that jump. We could suggest that everyone was at home for that year that you didn't see them. The year that you would never want to see them in this job because it would be <laughs> boring. Um, and we didn't want to make an eight-hour drama about COVID or yeah, but also we didn't want to pay lip service to it by just having like people in masks and using hand sanitizer. So we thought, okay, what's the most interesting version of a COVID drama? Um, and it's the way that people have been impacted by spending a year by themselves. Um, so obviously all the characters have reacted to it very differently. Harper has spent a year in total isolation away from people having to sit with this sort of thing that she did at the end of season one. Uh, Eric has spent a lot of time with his family um probably the most time he spent with them in the last yeah. 20 years and he's feeling existential as a result yasmin has spent a lot of time with her rich friends in you know at house parties and abroad sneaking out of the country and doing a lot of drugs and gaining confidence as a result and she comes back to work mm. with that confidence as a new tool uh, and like and robert has been sitting on the I mean, I've seen I've seen some people commenting on the way the way that Robert has done a sort of one eighty. It's really funny, you guys. I remember listening to your podcast and you saying like a sober Robert. There's no way they do that. <laughs> <laughs> and sending it to Conrad and being like, okay, well, these guys are they going to be disappointed? Uh, yeah, that was like wrong. We were <laughs> exactly what we've done. You know, at the end, and then someone said, "God, how how has Robert matured so quickly?" But it isn't a real. You know, it's not a sitting down too hard on that stuff. It's not, it's not like he's totally matured. He was told that by his superior after securing his job that he was a cokehead mm-hmm. and that he was worthless. <laughs> and like, I think if you're a sensitive soul like Robert, that happens to you. Then you go back to, you know, they announce a lockdown and you sit by yourself for a year um, and you, you stew on that and you realize that actually maybe I am worthless. And what's the biggest shortcut to, to, to feeling better about myself? Okay, well, I'll just blame the fact that I was reliant too much on um, substances and I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll wipe those out of my mm. life. So like, you know, mm. in the roundabout way, it was the COVID was, it was a, it was a really useful instrument in making and pushing character. Yeah. Um, I think it was, um, you know, we didn't want, you know, it, and it also like, again, it, like, we got, like, we got really lucky with the idea of like the inciting incident of the second season being go come back to work. Cause obviously that's something that's so prevalent in the culture at the moment. Yeah. And obviously work yeah. is I was so pro work from home and I was saying, actually, you know what? We actually want everyone to come back into the office now. <laughs> and I feel like that, that, that's really, really um, acute in the finance industry. So yeah. we got lucky with that. Bit. Yeah. I mean, speaking about Robert, he does have a brief stint of sobriety in season one. I mean, it lasts like a week after um, Harper calls him exactly. an addict. But so I, yeah, it made sense where we didn't think it was going to happen, but it definitely made sense story, story wise, which 100%. is a great way to talk about. I mean, I think, you and I are both on board that we 
love your use of COVID this season. I think we've watched a lot of shows that have used COVID. Not we've not really liked a lot of them. So I think this was that we like we like what how you're using it. So that yeah, I mean another just congrats. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Speaking about Robert, obviously I mentioned that this was a depressing episode, being episode five. Um, if you listen to our episode on the premiere. I was, I've been dreading this relapse. I think I even predicted it to happen in episode five. So I guess, yay for me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is the first time you're writing this season. Both of you are writing this season since the brilliant episode two. So just as a general question, I apologize for the generality of this question, but what are you most proud of in this episode? Wow. Wow. Good question. I mean, look, episode five was, episode, we knew when we were breaking the story that it was a big, it was a huge mm. risk for the show um, in the sense that, it leaves the banking precinct. There's not a very big financial spine going through the episode. It delves back into the into the into the histories of the characters. Uh, it's a lot about parents. It's a lot about looking back rather than looking forward. These are all things that are big red flags, I think, on in TV story. Um, so we knew that it was. We knew that it was. We knew that it was a big swing, and you know, it was one of those ones that actually, out of all of the episodes, took. A, you know, Caleb did an incredible job directing it, but it it, it took a lot of wrangling in the, in the edit because of mm-hmm. quite how emotional mm-hmm. a lot of it is, as you guys say. You know, uh, and and the balance between and I. I mean, there's still some incredibly and what I'm, what is good, I think, is there's still some incredibly funny moments and some incredibly adrenalized moments. You know, there's clubbing and there's there's all this sort of stuff. So it it, it feels kind of nicely balanced. Um, you know, that Harper JD component is obviously been a kind of this this teased spectral yeah. presence throughout the whole show, and and casting mm. that character and what their interaction would look like on camera and what it would say about Harper um, was not it's not as reductive as a simple key to her character, but it's it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a, it's, a, it's you know those scenes were very dialogue heavy. There were not that many of them, you know, there were actually two big scenes and they required mm-hmm. a huge amount from the actors because they're incredibly emotive, uh, incredibly emotive. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what Mickey's favorite, uh, you're most proud of Mick. I mean, I, I would say, I would say the way those two scenes turned out, I would say, and, and like, I actually think maybe one of the strongest scenes in the whole series and maybe in my top three scenes is Robert uh, trying to recruit mm-hmm. uh, uh, Daphne's character when he's on cocaine. Cause I feel like that, that switch in his character um, to and what he's like under the influence of, of drugs and alcohol again, and the kind of darkness that immediately sort of, sort of sinks uh, sinks over him, I think is I think maybe speaks to a lot about the theme of the show in a very sort of distinct unit of of, of screen time. So I think I I'd probably say that bit. What would you say, Mick? Yeah, I'd say that I I think that's my favorite, probably my favorite scene of the episode. Um, I I really like, I think Robert's story is is is. Now it's, it's the light, not the lightest in terms of tone, but in terms of actual screen time, it's probably the lightest part of the episode. But I think it's actually, yeah, in an episode which with a lot of big emotional shit in it, I think it actually is subtly the most powerful bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that, you know, it just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, of, yeah, I, again, I think I'm just repeating what Conrad said, but like, it's some, so much stuff in that episode could have gone wrong if we didn't, especially if we didn't have the right actors. Uh, like you know Harper's brother um you know, that that would have been it would have been a disaster if someone mm-hmm. wasn't able to pull that off like it's a very very big ask for a, for an actor to come in and do basically just like from from go from zero to a hundred in terms of their emotional range the um, yeah and have to play that and I you know I'm proud of that I'm proud of that fight between them I'm proud of the clubbing scenes 
like Caleb, I mean, when Caleb re-interviewed Caleb for the job, he was like, you know, this is the stuff that he's like, I, you know, I've obviously never, he never directed television before. Mm-hmm. Um, but we gave him this episode. Obviously he's got a, he obviously did episode six as well, which is a trading floor heavy episode. But this is the episode, the first episode that is really totally off the trading floor. Yeah. We thought it would be a great, great run for yeah. Caleb to try and to do that. And, you know, I think he absolutely, he nailed there's so many different weird spaces in this episode as well. There's Berlin, there's the clubbing scene, there's like walking around the spires of Oxford, there's like restaurants, there's 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 you know weird um Ber- Berlin suburbs. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of different stuff to play with. And I think that Caleb just like brought some it's like it's it's emotionally intense and and very heart-wrenching, I think, in places, but also has a sort of like subtlety and kind of quietness that I think a lot of the other episodes don't mm-hmm. have. And I feel like he, he nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely a stillness to yeah, to the yeah. episode, which yeah. really helped to amplify all the, you know, the fireworks that were going on emotionally yeah. for all the characters. Definitely. Just to just to flip just to flip the format for a second, guys. What I mean, and we can ask you a question. <laughs> what did um, what did? Because me and Mickey are so close mm-hmm. to the material that it actually, obviously, it hasn't. You know. You, you write it, you film it. You, it's such a long process. Yeah, it, it, it's very hard to, and it's not to say it doesn't have emotional power for us anymore, because of course it does. But I wonder, with the kind of cold eyes of having, you know, having just watched it and never not not seen how the sausage yeah. was made, I wonder what you kind of felt when when it when it cut to black. Like in terms of, I, I wonder, I wonder what it made you feel about Harper, for example, or what it made you rethink about her mm-hmm. or Robert or any of those guys. Um, I think, first of all, I can tell you that when it cuts to Robert on the floor, passed out, I literally said Jesus. Like, I literally said out loud Jesus. So, but when it cuts to black, it's it's depression. It's, I was just like, I was feeling a pit of, a pit of sadness. <laughs> and I think I'm very intrigued to know, I mean, we wanted to ask you, but I think we'd rather not, just to know how this interaction really shades Harper going forward. I, I like that shot of them in the the lift with with Eric in the back it's mm-hmm. Eric almost has this almost demure meek meekness to him in the back of the lift I'm like, again these are things I'm like what is happening here and obviously Harper repeating her brother's words to DVD it's just like okay is this yeah it's not anything I don't think it's anything that we didn't know about Harper in terms of maybe it's a bit more cold coming from her brother who's no like, I think I think Look, the, the, the episodes go some way to some way to explaining why Harper is the way she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why she's so focused on work above all things else, other other things. Um, why she is scared of opening herself up to people. Why she doesn't want to pursue, you know, emotionally laden mm-hmm. relationships. I think that stuff is all in the character before that. This is just sort of explain, you know shining a light on it for the yeah. audience you know i we've seen her upset in in a work context we've seen her have panic attacks because of her work but we've never actually seen her emotionally react to something to do with her personal life mm-hmm. like all the yeah. time she's been upset, upset in the show it's because she's been you know unmoored in a work context or like you know you see her being angry at todd in episode five of season one but it's because he might have done something that that um, reflects badly on her in front of her yeah. clients. Like yeah. nothing to do with her work, her, her her life. This is the first time you've seen her like you know bawling her eyes out about the fact that someone who she loves is rejecting her. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's heart wrenching, but it's it's all stuff that I think if you've been watching the show, you you imagine Harper has inside of her. Yeah, yeah. It's also the clearest. It's the clearest. I think 
uh, explanation. I mean, it's the clearest, uh, what's the word? Evocation of one of the big themes of the show, which is, you know, me and me, you know, we talk about, people always ask us what it's about. And it's like one of our big, big answers to that question is the price of ambition. And I think you see it across all of the stories. So you see, you see like Robert's relationship with his mother and this idea of trying to get into this incredible university before she died. Seeing mm-hmm. Venetia talking about the pressure she felt from her immigrant mother and how it made her basically sick. You see the girl who's about to be recruited into the bank, who's basically put all this pressure on herself and sees herself in Venetia. You see JD, who's maybe the purest form of this, who is basically about to be an elite sports star and decided that he was going to opt out of that life, even though he was very close to it because of the cost that because of the cost he had to bear, both the pressure from him and Harper's mother and the pressure he put upon himself. And he basically walked away from it. And then you see Harper basically, you know, this is all laid out for her and she mm-hmm. opts into that thing rather than opting out of it. And I think yeah. it's a really, I think that that whole, the kind of this, this need for this upward thrust in life and this kind of like this need for constantly more and more and more of, uh, and this, this like the, uh, ultimately the emptiness on some level of this kind of this high level of achievement, I think yeah. is a really is a key part of the episode. I think that I think also the sort of the the um the sort of zero sum game between success in your work and 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 success in your personal life is something that is unconscious to Harper until this episode. Whereas like when she's you know that moment in the lift at the end, she's literally saying, "I like I cannot have a personal relationship if I'm going to be successful here." It's like and mm. I, it's and DVD, but it's, you know DVD has you know he's he's none the wiser about what's mm. going on. He's like okay, well, girl I'm seeing has gone on a business trip. She comes back and she's like, you know, hardened <laughs> beyond any I could ever mm-hmm. imagine. And that's her in that lift. That's her being like, okay, well I'm closing myself totally off from the idea of a fulfilling mm. relationship in this in this in this bank or outside of it. And actually, I'm just going to knuckle down and do my work. Well. You know, that coincidence, it's, very, it's a very deliberate coincidence that obviously that Eric, Eric is coming from the peer point, you know, mental health floor that he, he told Harper to go to earlier in the yeah. season. And that's why he looks meek, because at that moment, the door opens, he steps in from this floor that he would have never gone to six months ago. He sees the, the woman he used to work well, the woman who used yeah. to sort of be his mentee. He feels incredibly vulnerable in that moment. And she sees his vulnerability and that meekness. Ken really understood that. He looks like a sort of shell of himself. Yeah. And she sees that and she's, she's, she's yeah. disgusted by it, <laughs> you know, rather the rather, which is, which is, you know, really dark yeah. rather than ask him how he is or whatever. She's just like, that is not that, that weakness is not something that I'm, or, or that, that emotional vulnerability is just not something I'm willing to show the world anymore. She never wants to be that, does she? So no, yeah. no, and she says, this is not a spoiler at all because they, in the sec- in episode six, they have a conversation, and he suggests that he might have been talking to someone professionally. Mm-hmm. And literally, there's a bit of acting that Mahala does, which is just like mm. sw- she like winces almost at the thought of that. It's like, <laughs> like why would he do? Why that? would you even like, tell me that? Yeah. <laughs> That's not who we are. Exactly. It's really funny. It's, 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 the, the way I the sort of weird analog. I think of it as like the Pierpoint Services floor is like going into a fucking pawn shop. I just saw dark glasses. But I need I need professional help. I don't want any of my colleagues to do that. That's so funny. Uh, oh my god! I feel like I feel like I should retire from podcasting about industry because I didn't even realize that that was the floor he was on. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's just you said it now. I was like, oh, that was the floor. Neither did I. We got it. We got it. We got to say it in every interview because it's not clear. Yeah, I just thought it was his work. It was his workflow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That just that explains a lot, actually. Yeah. 
No, it's, it's really that 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 was a really difficult thing to do because we we basically we knew people would miss it. So if you actually watch the shot again, we there is a big sign that says Pierpoint Services, which is obviously quite a, quite an oblique thing. I think Mick, did we put the audio in of it saying it as well? I can't remember. You know, I think or if someone's saying Pierpoint Services, I think we did actually. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, it's not so, clear. So, no, it's not clear. Because we had in the version there was a version there was there was deleted scenes for episode one where Harper actually went up to that floor oh. and didn't really engage didn't really engage with it, but you see her in that floor. Mm. She actually uses the Rican um, app, which Pierpoint have have used or um, to uh, to talk to a therapist. And you know, obviously, because it's Harper, she doesn't want to engage. Oh. But um, but uh, yeah, so, so uh, you know, when we filmed it, we thought we had seen Pierpoint services, and we thought it'd be clearer. <laughs> When people see it again in episode five, well, I guess we, the conversation they have in episode six would probably make it to highlight the that that was peer point services that he's been seeing someone. So even if you miss it in episode five, yeah. episode six, you you do it. Yeah, um, guys, thank you very much for for your time. I was gonna clear out some space for Mickey and I talk about Arsenal and Gabriel Jesus, but but it doesn't seem like that's gonna happen. <laughs> so, like, um, I. I, I I, I, Conrad saw me at my very worst while supporting Arsenal. Probably. Oh no, I completely understand because I took <laughs> I took the year off last season. Yeah, yeah. Banky, Banky took a couple breaks, and everybody was like, "Oh, you're not a good fan." I was like, "I'm, I'm. This is my mental health. Pierpoint services. I do not want, like this." <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing I always tell Mickey though is that football is so cyclical that. But, yeah, um, you're a Liverpool fan. Yeah, you can like, say and, that. And, and I'm a Liverpool <laughs> fan. Yeah, so it's kind of like it's like Arsenal, and like Mickey's got a young daughter as well, who's my goddaughter. Mm-hmm. And like Arsenal, I think Arsenal will be good again in the next five years. I have no doubt about that, actually. And I think once once they you know once they qualify for the Champions League, I think Mick will be taking uh, Daphne to. I think the so. Emirates. I actually, I actually, I'm saying that I actually think I'm going to uh, Arsenal Spurs in October, oh. which will be my first game in absolute ages. Yeah, just just <laughs> dip your toe in. Just why don't go on podcast yeah. telling people that you're no longer an Arsenal fan because then when you do come back, it's a, it's a whole problem. So <laughs> please delete that bit. Delete that bit because I want to get free bits. As I'll well. bleep it. I'll bleep. So, I'll bleep it. Out. I'll definitely um, bleep it. Out. There's uh, Steve McQueen, the director, said something about his love of Spurs and he was like it was so all-encompassing and so and, and it was something that I could not control which affected my life so much that and they were so bad for so long <laughs> it was causing me so much depression that he just basically was like I can't watch them anymore yeah. so he he took you know, he just he retired from from watching them totally yeah, I yeah I tried I, I did I did it yeah I was like this year I'm just gonna be away focusing on my own thing and then hopefully I come back better. It, it takes it takes it takes up a lot of emotional bandwidth, I would say. Mm-hmm. Even even in the even if you're even if they're good. Like Liverpool have obviously been great since Klopp joined and it's just it's it's a fucking undertaking supporting them because you, you have to go I have to I have to go to games, I have to watch every game, you know, it's a big it's a big part of your emotional yeah, but Conrad, it's, it's basically Conrad's second job. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. It's it is a lot true. of Conrad, you you like the the world the sort of wilderness years of Liverpool. You were still you were still in there, but then you you were you were really rewarded by by Klopp and that. Yeah, way. I did. I had my my Nadir my supporting Liverpool was I was one. I went once went to we were playing Swansea. Swansea and it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was just at the start of the Brendan Rodgers era or something, and it was it was like a twelve thirty on a Saturday, and it was pissing down with rain, and I was in a really you know I was in Swansea. And when Joe Cole was warming up on the touchline, and I was thinking, what the fuck, what the fuck, am- what the fuck am I doing in my life? Like this game is on TV. I paid over, I paid over the odds of here, obviously, because I can't get tickets through traditional mid. And it was just, it was a fuck, it was a disaster. I remember so well. You sent me a picture of your lunch that day as well, and it was like. <laughs> 
sad. It was like these chicken nuggets and like a bit of salad, and it was so fucking sad. <laughs> oh, Conrad, I, I get free tickets from work from time to time for Liverpool games because my company supports yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, maybe one of these yeah, days. Yeah. I'll no, it's, it's, yeah. it's, as Mickey says, you, there, there's I paid my penance, and then we yeah. were rewarded for a bit. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then while you guys are off watching Liverpool, Mickey and I will just be depressed about Arsenal. That's it. Sounds like balance. <laughs> it just sounds like balance to me. <laughs> uh, now you guys, you guys are gonna have a, you got. I can. I think Arsenal are gonna have a really good season. I can feel it. Well, we'll see. Um, I have one question that I have to ask. Uh, it's something that I made allusion to in one of the first episodes. Uh, is Danny so his DVD based on Drake? On Drake, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, no, he's based on he's based on Aubrey Graham, not Drake. fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's Aubrey from from yeah. Degrassi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that's, that, yeah that's that's the Degrassi era, Drake. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm very happy that you did not um, break Ayo's illusion on that. Um, he can just go on that for the rest of the season because he really wants that to be the truth. Um, <laughs> Guys, thank you so, so much for, for your time. You've spent way longer than you needed to. Um, thank you for this show. I'm excited to watch the last few episodes. And then, look, it's beyond an open invitation. If you ever want to come back, if you're bored and you want to talk about the show, I want people to know about how much you love what, making the show. It's You're here. You can always come back. If you want to... If, by mistake, Mickey, you start watching Arsenal and you want to vent, you can come back. <laughs> Conrad, you're not allowed to come back and talk about Liverpool because... We don't, we don't support that. But anyway, Balian, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for your time. And then, yeah, I think we're so excited to talk about the the last few episodes of the season. Thank you, guys. It's a, it's a pleasure talking to you. We love your enthusiasm for the show, and um, thank you for engaging with it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be back. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. Yeah, I think. I FaceTimed Ayo immediately. Conrad tweeted, uh, tweeted at us. I was like, what just happened? What's going on? What do we, what, what, I think we had to have a meeting about how to reply. I was like, <laughs> so thank you very much for doing this. It's, yeah. Pleasure. Pleasure, guys. It was in the bathroom in the office when, when, he, when he called yeah. out to run to the bathroom. And I was like, why are you at work? Call me back. So <laughs> no, man. We we just yeah. Obviously, yeah, it's nice to support you guys as well, and like we love uh, the way you talked about the show. So it was a no brainer for us to come talk about it with you. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Um, I think what we're thinking, like, we'll just have some general questions, and then hopefully get into episode five. Yeah, I think we have some thoughts about episode five. <laughs> if that yeah. was okay. Good, cool. 